peace, truth, spirituality, healing, holistic health, aliens, ancient history, plant medicine, mysticism. If these words excite you, you're in the right place. Here, we seek to dig deep into all these topics and more. You, me and my guests together. Welcome to the Enlighten with Alex podcast. Welcome back everyone to the Enlighten with Alex podcast with myself, Alex Dudgeon. If you haven't already, hit subscribe. We've got lots of incredible guests coming up, including today. We've got Susie Gessie, the founder of the Healing Core Sanctuary, a healer, a teacher and an animal communicator. So welcome Susie to the pod. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me on your lovely show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So do you want to give us a little bit of your background, your kind of maybe spiritual journey and how the uh, horse healing sanctuary came about? Yes, certainly. Um, It came about totally by accident. It wasn't prepared or planned. Um, I was in the corporate sales world, um, very sort of a fast paced person. um, And I was always finding animals that needed to be taken back to their owners you know dogs or cats or I'd find old people that fall over in the streets I'd take them to hospitals at home um and then I sort of had almost like a spiritual awakening that after that happened for about a year and then I became incredibly poorly and I was never ever ill I was incredibly fit and healthy um and I became really really ill so much so I was in bed for three weeks I became... how long ago was this the uh, awakening that was about um 15 years ago now yeah, about 15 years ago, and um, I was incredibly ill. Um, the doctor tested me and said I had some sort of weird virus that I'd have in my system the rest of my life, so I needed to get used to just having no energy and being ill. I was like, oh, thanks. Wasn't COVID, um, was it? Oh, no, no. <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of my lovely friends, he just sort of came out of the split spiritual closet and told me he did this thing called healing. he just come back from India and learnt Reiki. So um, he did three consecutive days on me doing this healing and every time he did it on me I had this really weird reaction where I used to sort of convulse to make these really weird movements or what was that um yeah and it was just really strange and he said to me I think you're you're ill on purpose because you're not on the right path you're supposed to be doing this sort of work and I was like what so um I did take his advice you know and I mean I became the the fourth day um I was really really ill like I was projectile vomiting everything and the illness came out of me and then a couple of days later, I went back to the doctor and he gave me some more blood tests and he could not understand that the virus had completely gone. And he's like, well, this can't happen. You're supposed to have it the rest of your life. And I went, well, I've had this thing called Reiki off my friend. And he was just like tumbleweed moment, you know. Yeah. So then I decided to learn it myself. So I went to Manchester and I, I studied there for about three years of real traditional Reiki healing, very Buddhist philosophy version, all about working on yourself to become a better person. And then I started volunteering at a horse sanctuary, just offering energy to the horses um, locally to me. I had some miraculous situations, you know, because the great thing about working with the energy and working with animals is that you just have to let go. You know, I think my humanness sort of thought, right, okay, where's the chakra system? Let me work on this horsey chakras. And this beautiful white horse, he sort of must have thought, what is she doing? You know, um, but he knew that he wanted the energy, so he moved and he positioned me, so I was literally pushed back against this huge hedge, and I had my hands on his back, and he pushed me back, and I had to put my hands underneath his belly, and I was there for about 20 minutes, and my hands were roasting, 
And the lady that ran the, the animal sanctuary, she came back and she went, what are you doing to my horse? And I said, oh, I don't know. And uh, I said, this isn't a raking position, to be honest. I said, he just pushed me this way. And she said, no, where you've got your hands, he's where he's got stomach cancer. Oh, wow. So we and I was like, oh, my gosh. I had, she hadn't told me that. So he knew that he didn't need energy in his chakras to balance his chakras. He wanted the energy on his stomach cancer. Um, and he, thought, he fell asleep while I was doing it. And I think that was my first ever encounter with a horse and with healing energy like that, because I'd never been around horses. You know, I would have been around dogs. But then a couple of years later, the the sanctuary had to close down because she ran out of money. And I became really friendly with a couple of the horses. So I said, oh, I'll take those two horses on. I'll go rent a field. But then I'd started, I'd given up my sales job and I'd started doing this sort of thing full time. I'd started becoming really well known. And people started asking me if I'd take their horses off them and heal them. I was like, what? <laughs> I said, oh, okay, then I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just in 2008, I started a charity called, well, the, it's called the Healing Horse Sanctuary. So um, we started rescuing horses that traditional Western medicine couldn't seem to help. But they seem to really be reciproc- you know, reciprocate really well to the healing energy and then herbal medicine, essential oils, batch fly remedies, you know all that loveliness, you know, and I've had so many horses that vets had said they, they couldn't help that just got well. And it's just, I've learned so much from them. I didn't, I haven't known what I've been doing half the time. It's that they've taught me. Um, but now the next phase of the whole thing is the horses, I really feel want to help the humans to expand. So we've started going down the equine therapy route. So people have been coming and interacting with the horses and ponies and having these miraculous insights of their own, you know, journey themselves. It's been quite beautiful. Makes me cry. <laughs> Sounds incredible. Sounds incredible. So have you always had a connection with animals? Or did it kind yeah, of come yeah. I thought yeah, I've always loved animals. Anything, you know, I remember being a little child out in the country with my family when I was little and I found a little mole that came out the ground and I was like, Oh, it's amazing, you know. I've always loved you know, I've never used to like going fishing with my cousins as a child, didn't want to hurt the fish, you know. I've always loved animals. I just think they're just amazing, just in awe of them, you know, anything, anything. Yeah, me too, but it came on more <laughs> later in life. Yeah. When I was mm. a kid, I wasn't really interested in animals, but yeah. Yeah. The older, kind of built more of a connection and interest yeah. in them. I think they just help, you know, help all of our hearts expand. You know, I mean, we've seen at the, at the Healing Horse Sanctuary, people just turn up not for any healing they just come to an open day they just come along just to sort of volunteer or something and it's really interesting to observe the certain horses that hone in on the on the humans that need the help you know um one of my friends turned up the once and i didn't know that she'd arrived to tell me that she'd found a lump in her breast and she thought she had breast cancer and i hadn't known that and one of my giant white horses called bailey who's absolutely amazing he kept following her around and every opportunity kept nuzzling into her chest. And she said, what's he doing? I said, I have no idea. Anyway, I said, just just, just relax, Jen, and see you know, how he gets on. So she just stood there, and he just nuzzled her chest, and he started breathing into her chest. And she started to cry, and she said, oh, my God. He's actually, she, I've come to tell you I've got breast cancer, and I've got to go to the hospital. I want you to come with me. But he's actually breathing hot air into where the lump is. Wow. I was like, I think he's giving you some healing love, you know what I mean? You know, and I've got a little pony called Sapphire, a little black Shetland, who's really, really robust, and she's really fast, and she's really fiery. 
And one of my friends, her elderly uncle had a stroke and she brought him down in a wheelchair, you know, just to hang out with the horses and ponies and see me. And little Sapphire came hooning across the field. And I thought, oh, what's going to happen now? And she got to Stan and she stood, she slowed down and she stood really, really um, steadfast. And then she started sniffing all of his arm where he'd had the stroke. And again, she started breathing into his arm and she nuzzled into his neck. And the, the energy, my friend, my friend and me and him were like, oh, this is beautiful. And she stood with him for about half an hour. She wouldn't leave him. And I think it's that that helps humans to just expand and their hearts, you know, switch your mind off and just go, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, definitely. And do you find that all animals are that intuitive? Or does it seem to be mainly horses? Because that's quite... I've never heard anything like that, you know, going straight <laughs> up to the chest and she had cancer. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, my honest answer is I don't really know. I haven't had, you know, I haven't had that much um, experience with other species that much. When I was 21, I did help out at Animal Rescue and I did have the honour of working with um, a cow and a pig, you know, but I wasn't sort of spiritually aware then. But I do know that this little baby cow and this little pig they wanted you to hang out with them and they wanted you to stroke them like a dog and they wanted you to tickle their tummies, you know? So, and I just love doing that instead of really like cleaning the cats out, you know, to me, I used to just like go and hang out with the, with the pig and the, and the cow and stroke them. So, you know, I would like to do more work with other species. You know, we've got chickens at the sanctuary and they're hilarious, really funny little girls, you know, and I've got dogs um, and I've had cats and everything. So, um, it would be really nice to have other experience with other animals because I do think all animals really have that ability to open our hearts, all of them. Yeah, you know, I've got a massive thing about sheep. I love sheep. I'd love some sheep, you know. And I did rescue a little baby lamb a few years ago um, and helped him, helped him. And he was amazing. And he was sat on the back of my Land Rover while I took him to my friend's house in Wales. And I spoke to him and I said, right, we're going to go quite a long way now to Wales because we need to get you safe, your legs better. And he goes to this magical place where my friend lives with other little lambs. So you're going to be fine. I gave him some healing. And he sat on my back seat in my Land Rover and he didn't move for like two hours. No. I kept sending him lots of love on the back seat and going, you're going to be fine. You're going to be safe. Whereas I guess your mind would go, little baby lamb in the back of a Land Rover is going to be like going around everywhere and just causing a havoc. And he didn't, mm. you know, so I think all animals are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Ever been over to the uh, sanctuary in Bromsgrove? I forget the name of it now. But I visited one last year, and had, she's got, yeah, pigs, chickens, Is it called, cows. it's either called Hillfields or Hillside. Yeah, yeah I yeah, went to an right. open day there with a, a few friends a few years ago. Yeah, the lady's got lots of different species there, lots of nice yeah, piggies. We yeah. filmed a video there because me and my friend host uh, vegan festivals. Oh. So we made, like, a promo video, and part of it we were kind of, like, messing around with the animals oh. and the pigs and stuff. Oh, that's lovely. But yeah, it was really nice to connect with those kind of animals because I was mm. vegan already before that yeah but then to actually meet them you kind of understand more why you went down that path yeah a deeper level yeah it was never my intention you know my intention was never to start an animal sanctuary or or to communicate with animals it just happened you know um and it was so alien to my lifestyle at the time I was not expecting it to happen. You know, I haven't had the gift since I was five, you know, think like that. Yeah. Um, and I remember at the sanctuary I used to work at, and volu- well, I volunteered at for free, um, giving healing out to the horses. 
there's this beautiful white horse horse called De- well called Daisy now. And um, my friend and I, it was a big burly biker, and we used to um, sit in circle together because we were both becoming really spiritual, you know, and wanting to learn all these new things. So we sat in circle together, sort of connecting with the spirit realm at the time, you know, if you could connect to spirits and stuff, and your grandparents and everything. And he'd come with me because he did healing, and we were doing some healing on the horses. And we were both working on Daisy, and I said, well, okay, you work one side, I'll work the other, let's just give her some healing. So we closed our eyes, and we're giving her healing and everything. All of a sudden, I heard this voice and heard this voice say, why doesn't anybody want me? And I took my hands off and I went, whoa, did you hear that? And he said, no. I said, I think there might be a spirit here. I just heard this really weird voice. He went, well, I didn't hear it. So put our hands back on again. And I heard this voice and it was coming from the horse. And I said to my friend, I said, can horses communicate? I said, I thought we were talking to the spirit realm. I said, but I think it's coming from that horse. And I think she's just saying to me, why doesn't anybody want me? And he went, never. <laughs> he said, put your hands back on. So put my hands back on. I gave her some healing. Yeah. And, she, and I heard her, say, heard her say that she was really, really heartbroken because nobody wanted her. And I just, I was so shocked. And then the woman came back over and ran the sanctuary. I didn't want to tell her that I just heard a horse speak because she might throw me out that I was crazy. So I just said, oh, um, just did some healing on this horse and she feels really emotional and just wondered if you knew anything what's going on with her at the moment and she said to me oh her best friend's just been rehomed um and I wanted to home them together because they're such good companions but they wouldn't take her they didn't want her and I thought wow this is a whole new level of of you know amazingness so I said to my friend I said I think we've heard a horse speak today well I heard a horse speak so, uh, yes, yeah, so then I got on the Internet thinking, is, is there anybody else that does this sort of thing? And, and the, the was back, you know, that was like 10, 15 years ago, the was. And there was a lady in America doing animal, animal communication. And can you believe she was actually coming to the UK to do a course in the Lake District? And I um, emailed them and um, they had a space left for me. So I went on that and it was just mixing with other people doing animal communication and it was incredible because we spoke to llamas, we spoke to millipedes, we spoke to rabbits. We just, it's like totally, totally incredible. Like, this is just mad. What what kind of reaction do you get to this kind of stuff? Because I'm very open to it, but I presume yeah, well, most people, there's a lot of uh, it. It's interesting because I get, you know, really unusual people, well, unusual people, as in people that you think be really, really straight, asking me to go and, like, help their animals. You know, I've had... But, you know, I had policemen, had doctors, you know, you know, lawyers asked me to go and help their, their dogs or their cats or their horses. You know, I think especially in the horse world, there's a lot of people really into this. And they, they call it horse whispering. And they've had me out because, you know, their horse won't get on a lorry or anything. because They're scared, you know, so I've done some healing. And then the horse starts telling me some stuff about the history. Then I've passed it on to the owner. The owner's going, oh, my goodness me, yes, I know that. But I didn't realise that's how he felt, you know. And I remember seeing a lovely elderly horse the once who kept having chronic urine infections and the vet couldn't get them to go. So this lady in this massive house had me over to speak to her lovely horse and um, do some healing on him. I did some healing on him and he showed me in my mind, he showed me this aeroplane and his heart was breaking and I said, uh, I don't understand. What is it you're trying to tell me? And he said, they're going to leave me. They're going to leave me. Tell them they can't leave me. And I, and I said to the lady, I said, 
your horse is showing me an aeroplane that you're all on and you're leaving him and he's heartbroken and I don't understand what he's trying to say but I'm just passing this on and she burst into tears and she said oh my goodness me we're emigrating to Australia I've had my horse 20 years and I had a lady come yes well I had a lady come a couple of weeks ago talking about rehoming him I said well I think that's the the cause of like the urine infection because literally he's pissed off because you're leaving him Anyway, she didn't go to Australia. She <laughs> didn't go. Changed her. She's still in the UK now, 10 years later, yeah? Wow. And he's passed on. So, you know, when horses give you that, or animals give you that sort of specific information, it's like, how can you not doubt it? You know, it's just incredible. Yeah, that's spot on. I've got a cat. Yeah. I'd like you to come over and chat to Ah, me. lovely. You do with cats as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said this really amazing. On this, on this course I was on years ago, this lady bought this millipede. It was this giant black sort of wormy creature with all the loads and loads of legs. And he was really beautiful. And she had three of them at home. And the teacher wanted us to communicate with a millipede. And I must admit, I thought, what? That's like a whole new level of epicness that is, you know. But we all sort of focused on him. We started tuning in and asking him what he wanted. And um, the, the images he was giving us, because a lot of animals, they communicate telepathically. They'll give you images. And he started giving us these random, random images. And he was giving us these um, fluorescent fish, like um, imitation fish, like fluorescent colored fishes. And he was telling it, saying to us, where, where have the fish gone? I love the fish. They used to make me really happy. I miss the fish. But they weren't real fish. They were artificial. And, you know, you do feel a little bit weird conveying some of this information, you know. But we were in like a classroom environment. So we started saying this to the, the woman that had bought the, the, the millipede with us and her mouth opened and she said, oh, my God, you're, you're explaining my daughter's bedroom. She's got these fluorescent weird fish things that go up and down in her bedroom. But I thought she was upsetting the millipede. So I've moved that moved them out into a different room in the house. And I said, yeah, but, you know. The millipede really likes the, those fish. It brings him happiness, you know. You can't make that stuff up, can you? You can't. You can't. It's so random. You can't make it up. No, so, um, it's really, really fascinating. Yeah, it really is. I need to write a book. That's what I keep saying. I need to write a book. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. I'd read it. I'd read it. Yeah. Um, so you said you had your kind of rock-bottom moment, which led you on to this path. Yeah. You see this work as being your... Uh, soul path or life purpose if you like that. yeah 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 so I don't just work with animals I work with humans a lot as well so I seem to work with a lot of other healers that are really struggling and need someone confidential and non-judgmental to chat to and talk through any sort of stuff that's going on and I also work with you know people that have got you know serious illnesses and and again it's really interesting it's often when people have got no hope left have been given like a dreadful diagnosis by the medical profession and they come and see me and it's not necessarily that I've got a miracle cure because that's never going to be the case but I think it's just giving some hope back you know and having someone to talk to who's it's just going to you know up, try and uplift them and just be lovely you know so I have some amazing clients that I see amazing human clients and amazing animal clients and I think in the past people have said to me oh why don't you just just do one and I said because the universe is asking me to do both, you know, yeah. humans and animals, and often they cross over, you know, so I might see an animal, and then the animal actually guides the human then to come and learn some healing techniques with me, for example, so I, I do like doing both of them, really. 
Yeah, I think we kind of forget that we are animals, don't we? We see ourselves mm. as very separate. We are a species, yeah, we yeah, are a species. Obviously, we're a bit more evolved. Well, some would argue that, but... <laughs> you see, I see it the other way around. It's really interesting. Yeah. So I think because I've worked animals such a long time, I actually feel quite in awe of them. And I often, you know, I've actually bowed to animals in the past when I felt so honoured to be in their presence. I remember meeting a horse the once in a stable, and as he... As I opened the door, I just felt this enlightened being hit me, this energy. And I was like, oh, my goodness, me. I actually bowed to him, and I just said, thank you so much for letting me work with you. <laughs> and he was incredible. I mean, the stuff that he was telling me, and, oh, you know, because a lot of animals meditate, and a lot of animals connect with higher realms, you know. And then we think that we're the more evolved species, whereas they're all about peace and love, you know. They don't have wars with each other. And it's just, yeah, they've taught me such a lot. And I actually think us humans, I think we're supposed to be here to learn from them. And we've just forgotten that. Wow. And I think the more and more we open ourselves up to just be in their presence without any agenda, we don't want to dominate them or control them or be violent with them or eat them. You know, um, we're just with them. Magic can happen, you know. I mean, I love just hanging out with animals. It's just one of my favorite things in the whole world. Yeah, it's interesting what you say. Like sometimes I sit with a cat and I'm like working away or, you know, sometimes if there's a lot on, you can get a little yeah. bit stressed. And she's just like chilled and in her being most of the time. And it's like, there cats is a are lot quite incredible. Yeah, cats are amazing. You know, cats yeah. are, I think they teach us such a lot about survival, don't they? Because they're such good, good characters about, you know, teaching us how to survive on this planet. You know, they go out, don't they, finding their food and their... You know, they're, they're fearless cats, aren't they? Let's be honest. They're fearless. They're quite amazing. Yeah, mine's a big character. She's funny. Yeah, I'd like to meet her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'd love her. Do you know um, uh, the Bermans? Oh, wow. Is that what you've got? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, lovely. Pretty. Yeah. I took my dogs walking the other day. Because this is the funniest thing, being an animal communicator. Because, you know, I took my dogs walking. And there's a cat on the other side of the road, and I can hear her talking to them, and I can hear her threatening them, and I can hear her saying, you know, don't come anywhere near me. You know, like, right, we'll cross the road, shall we, you know? Because yeah. I can hear her. She wants to sort of take them on. So we instead of this little cat, and I've got huge dogs, so we crossed over. And I'm saying to my dogs, don't worry, I've got you. I'm going to protect you. You'll be fine. It's <laughs> <laughs> nice. funny. It's a funny, funny world, a funny life I've got, you know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. I'm actually uh, in a mystery school at the moment, and one of the lectures I did recently was all about animal souls and the kind of process of them coming in and out. It was very interesting. Wow. I'm still wrapping my head around it, but yeah, I wow. definitely have a soul and spirit. Yeah, definitely. I had this beautiful um, Native American Indian um, parable told to me, which I shall share. It's very short, um, about how, how um, when the planet started, there was always a meeting around the sacred fire at the, <laughs> at the change of every season. So all the animals would meet four times a year around the sacred fire. So humans would meet, lions, you know, turtles, giraffes, everything, dogs, everything. So all the animal species from, from the planet would meet. They'd all chat and all share stories of what they'd been doing and what they'd been learning, you know. And it was great. Anyway, um, they all used to speak about what they were mastering, 
So, for example, you know, the dog was all about mastering unconditional love. And again, cats are all about survival, you know. Uh, Turtles are about, you know, being, you know, living within their home and taking a home with them. But for humans, it was all about mastering the mind. That's what we were here for, we're to master the mind. Um, But then what happened was the humans stopped coming. They stopped coming. They started making excuses, excuses. They couldn't make the sacred fire ceremonies and they stopped coming. And what happened was humans lost themselves in their ego, Mm. lost themselves in their mind. So what happened was the animals said, well, if the humans aren't going to come, it's pointless this meeting. We'll just stop having the meetings. And there were three animals that said, but we're not going to give up on them. We're going to try and help the humans find their way back home. Yeah, we're not going to give up on them. We're going to help them you know, reconnect to their hearts. And it was the dog, the cat and the horse. Okay. And it's interesting how it's an Asian American Indian sort of fable. But if you think about it in our everyday lives, they're the ones really that are always, you know, we, you know Western humans, especially or Eastern humans, you know, it's always those three species really, isn't it? You know, and I've seen the most hardened men, you know, that, you know, if their dog is ill, you know, they'll cry like babies because they love their dogs that much. So I do think animals will help us find our way back home, you know. Yeah, cool. Definitely. That's no, a nice fable. I'll have to have a, have a read of that one. <laughs> you mentioned a little bit about synchronicities. So what, yeah. do you, what do you think that is? Why do you think that happens? Because I'm guessing you mean it's come off the back of your, your path, if you like. Yeah, I guess for me, synchronicity is all about and when you're in the flow. Yeah, yeah. So when you're in the flow, the universal flow of life, the universe just puts things in your path, you know, people you're meant to meet, uh, places you're meant to go, experiences you're meant to ha- have. That's when you're in the flow, you know, the universal dance of life. Yeah. You know, that's when you're in your heart as well, I think, you know, but I think when you, again, you go into your mind and your ego and you become very rigid, you, you can't really have those synchronistic event, events because you're not in the flow. You, you, yeah, you're too robotic. Yeah, so for me, synch- synchronicity for me is magic. It's it's the miracles, you know, it's the beautifulness, yeah. the connection. Mm. Yeah, it's not something I would have ever believed in until I started yeah, following my heart and whatever, and then meeting all these people. And then, yeah. in fact, even this podcast, I was on Facebook in the morning and I seen a few of your posts. Mm. By the way, everyone, we've never even met me and Susie. No, no, no. <laughs> Literally spoke for a couple of minutes before the podcast. <laughs> well, I'd seen a few of your posts and I resonated with a lot of what you were saying. Oh, and literally, like, an hour or two later, I thought about messaging you to come on the pod. And Debbie had messaged me saying, oh, you should get yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's weird. So I've got to, I've got to ask her now. <laughs> yeah, because she'd uh, I actually seen her the day before. So she rang me in the morning and I just thought, oh, wonder what Deb wants. And I was actually on the way to the horses at the time and I was at traffic lights, so I answered the phone. Then she said about you, and I said, "Oh wow, that'd be amazing!" Yeah, so that's just lovely. Yeah, and then obviously I I know your partner as well. Yeah, yeah. Didn't yeah. you teach us Reiki? Yeah, right? taught taught a Re- yeah Reiki masters. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's amazing. Everyone just all interconnects. You know, it's just really lovely. Definitely, definitely. Mm. And um, were you frightened at all to open your whole sanctuary, or are you just kind of you know happy to follow? Your Do you know, it was. It's bizarre, really, because, you know, I wasn't particularly wealthy, you know, and and I wasn't from the horse world. I just had two dogs. (laughs) So I didn't really think it was going to be a big deal. I just thought I'll have these two horses from the horse sanctuary. I'll have them in a field. 
you know, I'll rent a field, you know, I'll buy them some food, I'll give them hugs, I'll look after them. It's going to be quite simple. And then I had another one, because I started the, the sanctuary, I had a, another horse that was poorly. And I never really considered it was going to cost a huge amount of money or anything like that. Um, I didn't really think it through. I didn't have a business plan, you know. I just went with what was feeling in my heart, what felt right, and what the universe was guiding me to do. So the universe was guiding me to rescue certain horses from different different aspects of the horse world. I had no idea how vast the horse world was, you know, from show jumping to race, you know, race horses, dressage horses. You know, I've had a horse from the moors, Dartmoor. I had horses from animal experiment laboratories. You know, I've had horses from all different walks of life. Um, and I never ever questioned it. I didn't sit at home worrying about it. I just used to totally trust that the universe was going to give me the money I needed. You know, and I think when you just surrender to that and you go, right, okay, I'm just going to trust. And it's not being foolish. It's just having this really strong conviction and faith that it's going to be fine. And I remember a few years ago, it was um, December, and I'd been approached by a lady asking me to rescue an elderly horse, a giant white Irish draft. And when I went to, to see this horse, she was with two of the horses, a little tiny pony and a dark brown sort of thoroughbred. And all three of them had lived together for years and they all needed rehoming and she was going to split them up. And this white horse had spoken to me and said a few things and she didn't want to leave her friends. And and I just said to this lady, well, if you if you rescue, if you're needing homes, all three of them, I'll take all three of them. I didn't think about it I just said it you know my heart was saying it was fine and then the next day I was like well hold on it's the middle of winter everyone's going to be eating more food I've got like 28 horses anyway having another three makes no logical sense to the mind but I'm just going to trust the universe is actually going to provide you know so um I remember putting a post on Facebook saying oh, I'm trying to rescue three horses for Christmas can you anybody give me a pound or something and it was my birthday, because my birthday is a few days before Christmas. And I was work, walking down the high street, um, getting some last minute shopping. And my phone rang, this, this number I didn't know. And normally I don't answer those sorts of numbers. My intuition said, answer the phone, answer the phone. I was like, okay, hello. And it was um, a guy ringing me who um, I'd met through his sister, a lovely man from Manchester. And he said, I've seen your Facebook post. And my sister follows your charity and knows you. Um, and I've spoken to my boss at work, because he's actually... I'm going to donate some money at Christmas for good causes. And we've looked at what you're doing and he'd like to give you a thousand pounds. And I kid you not, I just went, oh, thank you very much. And I just started crying in the middle of like Shirley High Street outside of news agents. I remember crying my eyes out. God, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. And um, he's really spiritual. So he got the emotional aspect and I put the phone down and, you know, I thought, this is my birthday. It's the best present ever. They've given me a thousand pounds and literally that'll pay for the horses, transport, their food, buy them some coats. And that's just the magic. Magic, that is. Magic. Miracles, synchronicity, you know, yeah. divine intervention, you know. I'm a huge believer and I think that surrender is really important. If you're constantly yeah. resistant to it, it's a lot less likely to happen. I feel and like if you're constantly worrying, you know, you're putting that energy out all the time of worrying, 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 you know, and I really, you know, always try to keep that out you know and if I ever do have some worry come up or some fear come up which is very natural I'll just work through it and navigate through it right okay why is that happening and work through it yeah it's kind of um thinking about what could go right rather than worrying about what yeah. could go wrong isn't it yeah and, and you know 
we Manifest. recently, you know, recently we had a miracle this year, you know, in the whole of this COVID stuff and all the lockdowns, you know, we had a miracle really that this lovely man um, offered us some land, you know, um, some beautiful land to lease from him. Um, it's just amazingly beautiful place. So we've moved there, we've moved there this year, only a couple of months ago. And now we can do all our equine therapy in the springs. It's got all facilities and everything. So it's been absolutely magical. Um, but then last Christmas, all the volunteers at the charity, because all of us work for free, none of us get paid. You know, we've all got our own jobs, all our work, and we all do different shifts. We all came together as a little team, and we wrote some intentions out of what we wanted the charity to do this year, and we did a vision board. Oh. And on the vision board, it's really funny, because we actually put chickens on there. We actually had a chicken walk into the sanctuary about a few months ago, just randomly. So we had chickens in there. We had new premises in there. We had hay. We had essential oils. We had healing. We had lots of cake on the vision board and we'd written a lot of intentions to back it up and we kept sending energy to it. And then miraculously, this beautiful location came up, you know? So, uh, I think I'm we're glad not you just, said you know, that actually. I've yeah. spoken about that on the pod before, but I've got a vision board ah. and, uh, I did it when I was 27. Yeah. I just turned 29. And it was kind of things to manifest by the time I'm 30. And wow. Amazing. 80-90% of it I've done. Gorgeous. Could easily be ticked off. But there were things that were like way out of my reality at that point. And I've even it surprised me really. How powerful. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's beautiful. And I don't think we're taught enough to do that sort of stuff. You know, we're not taught to do that sort of stuff, are we? But it's yeah. so powerful. And it's so wonderful, you know, to just get a beautiful big canvas and start sticking pictures out of magazines on it of, you know, places you'd like to go or things you'd like to achieve, yeah. you know. It's yeah. lovely to do that. Yeah, even if you don't believe it works, it's nice just to put your dreams up on the wall yeah. and have something to work, walk towards. Uh, yeah. Work towards. Yeah. And I think it's taking you into that vibration of joy as well, you know, because there's something inspirational on your wall to look at. Yeah. You know, it's just uh, rather than always being like worrying and fearful about everything. It's like, oh, wow, look at this, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just... So, yes, yeah, so we've just done another one now. We've done a new vision board and a new intentions list now we've moved. So, uh yeah, put some magic into that. See what the universe gives us for that. Love it, love it. Have you heard of Fiona Oakes's work? No, no. A story's quite similar. She's not into spirituality, but she loved animals and started looking after a few animals. And next thing you know, her apartment, because she didn't have much money, she had a tiny flat, was like full of animals. <laughs> and she just kept persevering and then in the end managed to uh, raise all this money. The next thing you know, she's acres of land of all these animals. That's lovely. Yeah, it sounds like a similar story. But she's doing the same thing, you know, yeah. surrendering and expecting Yeah, how lovely. But I don't think she kind of sees it like that, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Into the, the interesting, interesting. Yeah. Are we able to take a two-minute break, Alex? Yeah, sure. I'll pause it. Yeah. Okay, everyone, Susie just had to quickly answer the door. We're back, we're back. <laughs> um, so we're just discussing uh, veganism. So how long have you been vegan and what started that um, I've been vegan for several years, but then I've probably been vegetarian for most of my life. So, um, yeah, I always had a thing about animals as a child and I always questioned what was on my plate. But my mum used to sort of just tell me to shut up and eat it. Um I guess when I was 19, I started becoming a lot more interested in, in things like that and become really, really fussy with what I ate. So I think I stopped eating all sort of red meat and just started only ate sort of chicken and fish, things like that. 
And then um, I was out one day with a friend of mine in springtime and we found a, a field full of lambs and one lamb had got himself stuck in the fencing. And um, so we, 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 you know, we helped the little lamb to get out, out of the fence. I remember him being quite scared of us, but looking me straight in the eyes as we were freeing him. And it was, it's difficult to put into words. It's like some sort of connection. I mean, I wasn't into all that sort of stuff that I'm into now, but he looked into my soul really and I had this wave of love hit me. And I remember seeing him very differently as like this little being, this little soul. And as he went skipping off, I was like, oh my God, he was absolutely beautiful. And then um, my friend said to me, oh, I've just you know, remembered, I've got to get back soon. My mum's cooking me Sunday lunch. We've got roast lamb. And I went, oh. and I had this like, oh, almost like this connection in my brain that went, oh my God, that's horrific. <laughs> That's that little furry gorgeous creature that's running around with his friends so from that moment i didn't eat anything i didn't eat chicken didn't eat fish anything um but that was a long time ago and that was what I 20... had a really similar experience actually did you yeah mm-hmm. uh, i was brought up opposite a sheep farm oh wow and a few years ago my little cousin had come over and i said oh i'm gonna take you to see the lambs and she was like absolutely in love with these lambs like couldn't mm. believe it oh they're so cute and I was loving it as well and then I was actually thinking at the time I was like god I eat these which is weird like wow. I can't do that anymore wow, yeah. yeah yeah and I think where the where the horse sanctuary used to be where it first was um opposite there was a, a big piece of um green you know green fields it was empty and then um sort of February March time it appeared with lots of like cheap then all these little baby lambs appeared because their mummies all gave birth. And all the neighbours were like in love with these little babies and, and walked the dogs past and sort of say hello. And then I never forget, it was horrendous. Um, about two months later, I think they're only allowed to live between eight weeks and 12 weeks, aren't they, before they're killed for Easter Easter lamb. Um, the lorry man came, the, lorry, the farmer came, and he took all the little baby lambs off their mummies and he loaded them on a, on a truck um, and one of my neighbours was a factory worker, proper black country factory worker, you know. And um, his wife said to me he'd cried for two days because hearing the babies being taken off their mums and the squeals um, of the babies and the truck when they were leaving, it broke his heart. And he wasn't a vegetarian, you know, uh, or a vegan. You know, he was just, you know, he'd eaten meat all his life. But he totally reconsidered the whole concept because the mums were in the field still and they were crying for days and calling for their babies, you know? And then I remember, because I always research everything, I question everything, always have. So, you know, I thought, how old are the, are the lambs allowed to live? And I looked up in a book, you know, and it was, I think it was between eight weeks to 12 weeks they're allowed to live. And if they go to 16 weeks, they're, con- they're literally considered to be like, you know, not, no longer young lamb, they're like mutton, like six, I was that four months old? So it's humans are really strange because you say you can be looking at them and they're going, oh, they're really cute and they're very, they're sweet. Then you'd be eating them the next minute. And, and, you know, it's not like our pets, is it? You know, when you take it, like when I might have my horses ever die or my dogs have died, it's this beautiful ceremony of love, you know, and I put crystals around them and I stroke them and I hug them. And it's a beautiful ceremony of celebration of that life, you know, before their soul's journey continues. But with factory animals, it's just so so violent and horrific and so disrespectful. Yeah, that's the main yeah. thing for me, like the factory farming. I just mm. think there's no compassion or love no. there. Or, and, 
At least the Native American Indians, and they used to sort of, you know, kill the buffalo, whatever, they do a prayer over the body, the soul. But I think it's quite, I'm going to use the word dark, the other way animals yeah. are slaughtered in the West. You know, it's so disrespectful. And Yeah, like, I get the argument that, you know, we've always hunted and uh, people that do it in that way. Personally, I haven't got a problem with, I know a lot of vegans have. Um, but to me, it's mainly the way they're treated throughout their life. Yeah. There's no freedom, no respect, and no. And, and for for me, when I look at it from a metaphysical standpoint, so an energetic standpoint as well, you know, for me, it's like there's the soul's journey from this realm to the next. It's really, really important the energy that the soul has on the point of death for the soul to be cocooned in love and to have this beautiful send off. So for us to you know, rob an animal of that really at the end of life, you know, and to have such a horrific, violent death of disrespect. And, you know, you see, I mean, I've seen footage of like people punching animals and everything before they're, they're sliced open. I mean, it's the opposite to, to love and respect. It's, it's hurts my heart. You know, it's, it's so awful. And I think there's that adage, you know, if, if slaughterhouses were made of glass, nobody would eat animals, would they, you know? And I don't think, you know, I've got, you know, people I know that, that eat animals, they're, they're meat eaters, they're not bad people, you know, they're lovely people, but they haven't really put the two things together, you know, and I just think perhaps when you start connecting with animals more on a heart level, you suddenly have that almost like that awareness of like, oh my God, no, I can't eat them <laughs> because actually mm-hmm. they're my teachers, they're my my best friends, you know, my companions, you know, they help my heart to evolve, you know. Yeah, my, my friend going back to what you were saying about the yeah. disconnection mm-hmm. he went to i think it was a sanctuary or something similar with his um friends and family good friend of mine he's vegan as well mm-hmm. he said they were stroking the pigs all day absolutely loving it and then when they went off to have lunch they ordered uh bacon sandwiches bacon it's bizarre isn't it yeah. it's bizarre and yeah. i think it's a bit like when it happened when i was like 2021 20, that little lamb you know it's almost like I felt almost like something connecting my brain that's sort of almost like some wires reconnecting, you know, perhaps somebody disconnected them. I don't know, you know, that sort of made me aware that how insane it was to eat this beautiful little furry creature, you know, this gorgeous little person. How could you, how could I possibly eat, eat that individual, you know? Yeah. You know? Are, you, are you optimistic about the future in terms of that? Do you see there being like more sanctuaries and less factory farms? looking like five, 10, 50 years down the line. I would love that. You know, I think um, with what's going on in the world at the moment now, I think people are going back to almost becoming more self-sufficient. You know, people are enjoying sort of staying at home and growing a few tomatoes or having a little allotment, you know, or knitting or or sewing or, you know, pickling your own, you know, onions or making jams. People have become a lot more homely. So I think if that was to be the case, that they start to question everything in their lives, wouldn't they? So it's like, well, actually, that, you know, that cow that I'm eating, you know, what sort of life has he had? You know, has he been on a lovely, open, grassy field with his friends all his life? Or has he been in some terrible metal confined cage forever? And then actually, do I actually want to eat them at all? Because actually cows are lovely. You know, it's almost like, I think it's like a stepping stone. Like for me, I was vegetarian from the age of 20. For 20 25 years thinking i was doing a brilliant job um of saving animals until i really became aware of what happened in the dairy industry i didn't really realize the cruelty involved you know 
I didn't realise that. It wasn't I was a bad person. I just never really looked at it. When I researched it and I found out how they treat the male cows that, you know, I'm not even going to go into it. It's horrible how they treat the male cows. They can then actually pass that liquid onto the female cows and how the female cows are constantly kept in pregnancy all the time and their babies are ripped off and I was like it's almost worse than the slaughterhouses it's constant torture yeah it was another big start yeah. for me I went to um, yeah. my sister was vegetarian uh, well before me she was when she was mm. a little kid we went to a vegan fair in um, Wolverhampton and had the VR headsets like virtual mm. reality and it puts you through a journey of a of a dairy cow. Oh no! And I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I was uh, I was actually crying there. I'm not really that yeah. emotional person. Like I, yeah. I forgot yeah. I was in the room. It was weird. Mm. I think I saw a really powerful thing on Facebook last year about a lady that she's standing at the front of an auditorium with all these people sitting in a circle, and she was a marketing expert, PR marketing woman. And um, she was saying about she's been in marketing forever and, you know, how she gets people to buy stuff. You know, she, you know, we manipulate people. That's what we do. We manipulate you to buy stuff you don't really need or that isn't good for you. And then she went through how um, the meat industry, how they market that. And literally you could hear a pin drop because she suddenly just walked off the stage because she said how awful it was that we were killing all these animals. And she's walked off the stage and literally could have had a pin drop because people were like, can't believe she's just explained to us all how you know there's this great sort of deceit that we need to eat animals it's just it's a profit making business isn't it you know i think yeah. so well i actually did my degree in marketing so i can say ah. everyone wholeheartedly <laughs> most of the modules it's like psychology basically yeah. how to manipulate yeah. people yeah which isn't well, good is it i got out the good. i got out of the corporate world luckily because i hated all that <laughs> good to get out the corporate world yeah it's good yeah. It's good to promote my podcast, so it's not all bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is interesting with the marketing. Like, um, you know, you have the laughing cow and things like yeah. that, yeah, with the dairy lee triangles. I yeah, think, yeah. Uh, all kind of inverted to the uh, the reality of it. And like you were saying about, you know, if all slaughterhouses had glass, glass walls, yeah. everyone would be vegetarian. Mm. That's a huge part of it it's so hidden from everyone isn't it like you oh, said yeah because everything's all clinical and a little little you know parcel in Sainsbury's going back off your shelf you haven't got to think you know and when I was in the corporate world you know I was vegetarian in the corporate world you know it was really really you know crazy like years ago to even consider not eating animals there wasn't like a big revolution like there is now and I used to get the mickey taken at me all the time and it never used to bother me in the slightest oh but, I did too massively yeah but um one of my um sales reps sort of colleagues he was from sort of a rural community. He wasn't a farmer, but he lived out in the sticks. And um, we had a new client come in that was a slaughterhouse client yeah. in Nottingham. And my boss said, you know, I've got, we've got this new client. I know you're not going to want it. Are you pointed at me? And I went, no, I'm not going to go. So he said to my colleague, Gary, he said, well, you know, would you like to take it on? You know, you need to go and visit them and everything. Yeah, I'll go. And he started taking the mickey out of me and all this. Yeah. Anyway, when he came back, he didn't speak to me for days didn't speak to me for days and I, and I he looked quite melancholy and I just thought it was really strange anyway I knew his wife and I bumped into his wife and um I'd said is Gary okay he seems to be avoiding me you know she said, hasn't he spoken to you about his um trip to um he said the client's name and I said no she said it's really affected him she said he won't eat meat since he's come back 
she said, I won't actually talk, talk about it, it's too disgusting, but she said some of the things that he saw when he went and he had to wear his welly. He had wellies in the car and he was told to put them on because he had to walk through like inches of blood on the floor. And some of the scenes that he saw, apparently it's haunted him and he hasn't, he wouldn't eat meat. He wanted to turn vegetarian. Yeah. Wow. And he hadn't been able to speak to me about it because he was so upset. He was so upset. He said he couldn't speak to me in the office because like, his wife said he thought he would cry in front of you. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I think, you know, when people are faced with the reality of the, the nastiness, you know, they will go, well, wow. And I think it's something programmed into us from a very, very early age. If you look at programs like Peppa Pig, you know, that the animals are happy and the farm yeah, and all that yeah. and all these different TV shows. And they're, craziness. and they're never showing any glimpse of reality. Well, to adults as well. It's very, very hidden, isn't it? It is hidden. It is. It's just a, a big, massive, deceitful lie. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just there's a lot of lies in the world. There's a lot of corruption, there's a lot of deceit, you know, and it's I think the time is now where it's all going to start to come out. You know, there's like a massive revolution, isn't it? On plant based eating, vegan eating, vegetarian eating, massive revolution. I mean, I popped to the to Sainsbury's, you know, um, today, yesterday, and I don't go very often to so try to go little small businesses. But every so often I have to pop to Sainsbury's to get certain things. And when I walked in, there's like in the chiller department, there's like three giant chillers full of like plant based vegan food now. I was like, that's just amazing, you know. So it's just, yeah, a lot of people are just looking for different things now and wanting to. I think it's all about wanting to be more peaceful because I always think peace starts in your heart and on your plate. (laughs) Peace starts in your heart and on your plate. So if you can be really peaceful in your heart to yourself and to others, that's lovely. When you look at your plate, if your plate's peaceful, that's lovely. If it's got violence on it, it's not good for me. <laughs> yeah, well, if we look at ourselves as all being interconnected, then mm. what we're doing to them, yeah. we're paying someone to do to them. Exactly, to exactly. I remember um, seeing Tony Robbins years ago, you know, the, the life coach sort of guru sort of guy. He's amazing. Saw him years ago in London, and he was talking very much about positive thinking and about manifesting your dreams and vision boards and things like that. And he's very upbeat and he's he's a giant guy and he drinks loads of green juice and he's very much into nutrition. And then on the third day of this conference I was on, um, he played this horrific video um, of of animals going to a slaughterhouse. Mm. And he said, I'm going to play something now because I want to shock you all. And he played this 10-minute video. And I remember sitting in the audience going, wow, what's he doing? Because I'd seen some of the things before, but people were crying. People were like, the nose was running, you know. I he's not vegetarian, is he? Is he Tony Robbins? Well, I think he might be plant-based. Yeah, I think he is. And But he said, what I'm doing, he said, I'm actually trying to shock you. He said to realise that if, from a metaphysical point of view, an energetic point of view, if you want to raise your vibration and be um, positive with your thinking and your mindset and manifest your dreams, you've got to be aware of what you're putting into your physical form. And if you're putting into your physical form fear, death, urine and feces that isn't going to help the process Mm. and i remember watching going oh my word this is amazing you know he said i'm not getting all moralistic on you i'm just being factual i'm talking about energy you know he said because energetically you're if you when you eat that burger or that piece of steak you're ingesting fear and death and on the point where the animal sees he's going to be murdered you know the whole of his bowels and his intestine is just literally goes so all that goes into the meat and i thought this is a really interesting way of putting it you know what i mean 
So he's a, he was a big advocate of like green juicing, alkalizing the gut, you know, to help us with optimal health. So he's coming at it very much from a health and energetic point of view. And he was amazing. I was like, wow, brilliant. But he would he'd come in the morning at nine o'clock and he wouldn't stop talking until eight in the evening. And all he'd be doing was having green juices all day full of kale and spinach and stuff, you know. He's like a machine. It was amazing. Yeah, he's a beast. I like Tony. It's funny, actually, um, I use that same similar kind of word in my meditation workshops. Because yeah. I always do a little piece just before lunch uh, just about veganism. And then it was Cassie who said to me, oh, you should make it more about energy. Right. That's when I started saying it like that. Yeah, it is. It's I'm true, yeah. I think some, some people get switched off by the word vegan, the word veganism. You know, I think sometimes I like to say that I'm plant-based because it's yeah. almost like for people almost become like <gasps> averse to the word vegan. It's almost like they think you're going to start telling them off. You know, to me, like, people can do what they like and that's up to them. But in my universe, I don't allow any violence in. So that's yeah, violence, violence of, of words or, you know, your actions or your eating habits. It's got to be non-violent for me because I think that's the way we'll bring about world peace. Simple as. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I'm the same <laughs> as you. I don't like to force it anyone. But if they ask, I'm going to tell them yeah. what I feel and any statistics or anything they want to know mm. about it or, yeah. or documentaries <laughs> in the way. <laughs> but yeah, it is good, I think, vibrationally to eat plant-based. Um, but I also think because of the heightened interest, there's a lot more kind of crap part of there now, isn't there? Yeah. And again, I think... Again, that's on an individual level. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, I'm not one to eat sort of fake meat, and that's my personal preference, because I think it looks too much like animals for me. Mm. So I'd rather stick to my, you know, my um, my chickpeas, my quinoa, you know, my vegetables. Um, But, you know, for a lot of people, that's absolutely fine, you know. And I think especially when you're transitioning... You know, yeah, if, yeah. If, you, if you like, you know, for example, I don't particularly drink much alcohol. Occasionally I have a gin and tonic, but I can't really drink much alcohol. It affects me too much. But I like the whole ritualistic thing. So, you know, even if I'm having a nice glass of juice, I'll have a nice wine glass to put it in. And I think, this, so it's the same sort of feeling that you're treating yourself something really lovely. And I think food's such a massive part of people's, you know, whole, you know, life that, for them, that they don't want to go from having like a burger or a steak to just having like, um, you know, a quinoa salad. So they'll have like a, you know, a fake meat burger. That's fine for them, and that's absolutely cool by me. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was just kind of thinking more, yeah, if people were looking more at the health side, just to yeah. be aware. Of it, because I know they're, yeah. they're a lot of uh, pumped, full of a lot of chemicals and whatnot. Yeah, and, and a lot of my energy work that I do with people, especially people that have got cancer and stuff like that, you know, um, I always talk to them very much about alkalizing their diet, you know, getting some alkaline foods in, because as we know that, you know, cancers can't grow in alkaline environments, they grow in acid environments. And I think for most Westerners, our diet's very acidic. So if we can start to introduce more alkaline foods into the diet, then that actually helps, you know, your, 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 you know, your gut. And that's why green juices are so good. Um, but obviously, meat is all acidic, you see. So especially red meat, it's acidic. So it ain't great for you if you're trying to get well and you've been poorly. Yeah, that's what's blown my mind this year. Like, there's been no kind of nutrition advice. Yeah. Or virus <laughs> or anything. There's been no talk of, you know, lifestyle changes. Yeah. 
take a responsibility for your health and eating mm. a certain way. It's all like, no, yeah. just be absolutely petrified and say you. Mm. Yeah. You see, it's interesting, isn't it? I think for me this year is a lesson for everyone in just their, their own power, their own power. And for a lot of people, they've forgotten they're powerful. Yeah. yeah, forgotten they're powerful. And once you remember you're powerful and you can empower yourself, you start to make better choices. As you say, you might want to make some lifestyle choices. You might, might want to start meditating or you might want to start turning the telly off and having a nice relaxing bath or reading a really interesting book or chatting to your friend on the phone or going for a walk in nature, you know, eating really healthy food, you know, taking responsibility for your own thoughts, your own health, your own well-being you know because we are so powerful really powerful but we've forgotten them and I don't think we're ever told that we are because when we realize how powerful we are we can perform miracles we can create magic especially when we're together in groups as well and I do think there's an energy that doesn't want us to do that well yeah we wouldn't be very good uh, obedient workers would we if we are near <laughs> powerful yeah <laughs> yeah because I think it's fascinating for me I mean I'm not a religious person by any way shape or form but I respect people's beliefs and I've got lots of people that have different faiths around me or lovely people and I think for them not to be able to go and pray during this situation is really quite sad but also quite suspicious for me energetically because you know when you come together in prayer I mean for me I do I do prayers and I speak to the universe and to the vibration of love when you come together in a group and you perform a ceremony with prayers and love and mantras that's when like so much light that can perform such miracles. So I think the fact that that's all been banned this year, we can still get on a plane and go and get drunk in Tenerife. Yeah, you know, that's all a bit strange for me. I think that's just a little bit weird, a little bit bonkers. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of big question marks, isn't there? There's too many, isn't there? There's too many. <laughs> there's too yeah. many. Which is why it's just best to be outdoors, the animal kingdom, you know, to me. And so that's for me, that's why it's been so best. joyful this year at the Healing Horse Sanctuary because. We've just carried on looking after the animals and been outdoors and we haven't really noticed the COVID thing going on, really. <laughs> you know, yeah, you've got, very the, blessed. you've got that lovely escape there. Yeah. Well, yeah. I do think for a lot of people it has been, like you say, a fantastic year where, because they've had to slow down, they've had to reevaluate yeah. things. And yeah. And I know some amazing people that, you know, have had their own businesses that haven't really enjoyed their own businesses, they actually stopped doing them and actually gone and started a different business with something they really enjoy doing. You know? yeah. So I knew one lady that, that, that was very good at this business that she ran, but then in the lockdown, she was like, well, actually, I don't really like doing it. So actually, I'm going to go back, back to, you know, working with plants and flowers. That's what I really enjoy doing. And she started a business doing that, which is like, that's amazing, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm hearing lots of stories like that. Well, I got made redundant. I was still in the corporate world in March, and then I got put on furlough and made redundant in July. Right. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like, oh, wow. Do stuff like this, meeting inspiring people. Yeah. Other fun projects. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, you see. I think the world is such an amazing, magical place, you know, with amazing, magical people, amazing, magical animals, and places to go and things. And we get so caught up, don't we, in the the mortgage thing and the going to work thing that we forget to connect. Come home knackered and we just lie on front of the sofa and we watch telly and eat microwave meals and we just, it's just ridiculous. So if anything this year, it has been good, I think, for people who have like started having family meals at home again, home cooked food, you know, and having to just like slow down. Yeah, I mean, spend more time. Walking. 
pets. Yeah, loads of people yeah. walking. Like you say, loads of people started growing their own veg and things like that. I know, that. Yeah. yeah. And people say hello to you. You know, I know it's the mask thing is a bit difficult, but, you know, when I'm walking my dogs and stuff, people start speaking to you and saying hello. It's lovely. You know, it's like a neighbourhood thing coming back, hopefully, which would be lovely through this crazy time we're having. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like when I was in the corporate world, you finish a long day, you just shattered all you can do is kind of mm. mong out for the telly, for lack of a better word. The weekend, well, wasn't so much this the last couple of years, but before that, just couldn't wait to get drunk all weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you look back, you know, it's a escape from... Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we're, we're here to have that existence, you see. I think no, I we've lost ourselves in that existence. We've lost ourselves in the materialistic world of, you know, you... You've got to have the best job and the best income so you can have a mortgage and go and get drunk and buy shoes. You can have a posh watch. You know, it's constantly striving for that. It's like this deep hole within you. Whereas, you know, I used to be quite materialistic, you know, and I do like nice things. I'm not saying I don't, but um, yeah, for me now, I just spiritual. Kind yeah, of. for me, you know, when I do become really wealthy, I was to say when I do become really wealthy, I'll be sharing it around. You know what I mean? I won't be going and buying a yacht. You know, I'll be sharing it around. I'm doing lots of lovely projects and helping people and, you know, growing my own food, you know, and setting up even more projects to help even more individuals and either animals or humans. You know, it's a different energy. I wouldn't be keeping it all to myself. Letting the abundance flow everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that, again, back to the flow thing again. So everything's meant to flow. So we are meant to flow. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Love it. Love it. Uh, so yeah, what else? I've got a list of a couple of questions I was going to ask. Okay. Um, oh yeah, so Cassie was telling me that you um, use Reiki to help people pass on. Um, yes, I do. I do. Very deep work. Has that been a profound experience for you? Yeah, you know, I had my best friend died in my arms um, from terminal cancer many years ago, and it totally changed my attitude to death. I mean, it was. It was a beautiful experience, which might sound really strange, but um, again, synchronistically, how that happened was bizarre. Um, literally, I got guided to go to the hospice at a certain time. Um, and as I arrived, her family just left to go to lunch, and I was literally in the hospice room with her. Um, and I remember seeing this golden light appear behind her, and the energy in the room, it just went so... I can't explain it in words. It just went so intense, but so loving. It was like a giant hug arrived in the room and she just said, Oh, I think I want to lie down. I thought that's lovely. So I was just with her and I was stroking her hand and stuff. And um, she looked at me and I just knew she was about to go. And I I did this little ceremony that I do um, in my mind. And I sort of welcomed in lots of high vibrational beings and I welcomed in the vibration of love. But I I think it was already there. Yeah. And did some energy work with her. And she just, she just went in my arms. She just went. It was so peaceful. And, her breath just went and uh it was almost like time stood still you know we were there for several minutes together and I was just holding her and stroking her face and she was so beautiful um and then a few minutes later a nurse came in and went everything okay in here I said I, I think she's just gone and she said oh whoa, you know and then because the alarm went off then the bells went off and they they came over so I just sort of left and as I left her relatives just arriving back. So it's all really weird how I think the universe had almost like timed it that we were together when she was going to pass. And mm. since that moment, it was such a beautiful moment. And 
I've spoken to her since, you know, in meditation, she often comes to me and she brags about what a great time she's having, you know. Um, and we have lovely connections together, me and my, my lovely close friend. Um, but then I've, you know, I, for me, I've got a real fascination with death. I don't think death is the end. I think it's just another part of your journey. Um, so I've been really honoured to be with quite a, several people and animals when they've just literally taken the last breath and I've been able to either hold them you know do some lovely energy work for them and help them have a really lovely safe passage and it's just it's such an honor I can't tell you it's beautiful yeah me too I agree and I think going back to what we were saying earlier at a higher level you know I'm not talking about people like Boris Johnson ever people higher than that <laughs> I think that is known and kind of used against us the whole you know we're not just this body bag that's here today, gone tomorrow. No, 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 not at all. So you can control people if they've mm. got fear of death all the time. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Very true. And I think that's, again, where we can empower ourselves by becoming more and more aware of that sort of thing. Because, you know, no matter what your belief is, we all believe in love. You know, we all believe in love. And for me, love is eternal and it's infinite. It can never be broken. So just because my dog died last year and my dad died the year before and I can't actually physically see them to hug them, doesn't mean to say my love doesn't last for them. Just because they've, they've physically gone, my love carries on. You know, and I always think that's the love vibration that helps you then to reconnect with them in a quiet moment, be it you're washing up and you might, you know, sense them around you or you're out walking in the forest or you're meditating or you're praying, you know, randomly. For me, once on a yoga mat, my dog came to me. It was just bizarre, but, you know, so... um. Yeah, it's, um, I think when you step into your heart and to, to love at a really deep level and you start to really empower yourself and realise how powerful you are and how amazing this life is, that's when you can just journey in so many different facets. Like I say, especially with the whole death thing, it's just so beautiful. I mean, I've had so many horses die in my arms and it's just been such a beautiful thing. So, so loving, yeah. you know, I've even had vets choked up because they... <laughs> Yeah, you know, because, you know, obviously with an animal, often you, you need to help them on their way, you know. So before the vet does that, you know, we all stand around that individual and we just tell them how much we love them and we thank them for everything they've taught us, you know, and whatever that is individually. So it might be five of us around the horse and each person might say something different, you know, or thank you for for always, you know, helping me feel cheerful or thank you for inspiring me to better be a better person. You know, I think the first time my vet witnessed that, I think he was so choked. <laughs> you know, is it okay now? I said, yeah, okay. You know, so, but again, it's about that. For me, it's about the celebration of life and the fact that, okay, you're going to leave us now, but um, we will be reunited again. You know, it's just because love carries on. You know, it does. Yeah, I hope I get to go out that way. Sounds magic. Yeah, I think that's, for me, I think that's one of our, which it's meant to be one of our, all of our aims I think I think we're meant to come in on the vibration of love and we're meant to go out on the vibration of love you know it's everything's supposed to be about love and again I think a lot of us have forgotten that yeah no I'd agree definitely yeah uh, I was actually with my dad when he passed a few years wow. ago big start wow. of my journey and uh, there was I think five of us there mm. and, Ten minutes after he passed, we were all, like, crying our eyes out. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Emotional. And then the, the doctor came in, because my dad had a really great sense of humour, and uh, he started, like, reading stuff about my dad and his, his condition. 
he didn't realise he was dead. So, oh, <laughs> gosh. We, wow. we, always, we always start laughing, but I swear that he, he had something to do with that. Cause that was, oh, wow. He'd have oh, that wow. Sense of humor. <laughs> oh, gosh. Bless him. And I think often when we, when we obviously we grieve, that obviously animals grieve, we grieve, humans grieve, but I think we grieve because we loved so much. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If we hadn't loved them so much, there wouldn't be that sadness when they go, you know? Yeah, no, it was a, it was a powerful journey for me. And it made me realise like, how precious life is. I think I kind of took yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Before then. Definitely. I had my, my horse, Daisy, um, She's in her twenties now because she was the first horse I ever rescued. Um, her best friend Billy, um, he died this year just before lockdown in March, and her husband Alfie died last year. So um, she's outlived so many of the horses at the sanctuary. So after Billy died in March, she's such a warrior and she's such a she's a herd leader and she's such a beautiful soul, but she struggled such a lot for about three months with with like depression and grief. And, um, you know, obviously we were giving her loads and loads of love and we gave her some flower remedies for grief and some homeopathy for grief. And we gave her extra sort of, you know, TLC and everything. But uh, I remember a shaman said to me once, this amazing shaman said to me, um, you can't always take away their pain. You need to know that you can't always take away their pain. But what you can do is you can walk with them through the pain and help them to get to the other side. And I never forgot that, that, those words that she said to me. So with my horse, Daisy, I felt that was my role. You know, with her grief, I couldn't take that pain away from her and her sadness, but I could help her get through it. And I think that's how I look at all my clients, you know. All my clients, if they're animals or humans, sometimes I can't take away their pain, but I can always help them get through it, you know. And my intention is always that whenever I interact with someone, you know, they always leave me feeling better than when they first arrived in my therapy room or if I visit them, you know. That's always my intention, that I uplift them in some way, you know. That's lovely. Yeah. I'm sure you're an amazing coach. Oh, bless you. So, I've actually got a client soon, by the way, so I need to leave. <laughs> yeah, how, how long? Just because there's one last little question. Huh? Yeah, about another five minutes, that's fine. Yeah, go on. Five minutes, okay. We can do this quickly. So just to finish off, we always do... A little bit of fun. So you've got to give me okay. your three dream dinner guests and why. So it can be from the past, uh, from the present, could be an animal. Okay. Three yeah. dream guests what, yeah. that I would have. If you're having dinner tonight, you could have any three. Oh, dinner. Oh, dinner tonight. Okay, well, that's really easy for me. So it's my dad. Mm-hmm. So my dad's like my ultimate hero. Um, the most the most spiritually spiritually evolved man I've ever met, but not actually aware of that. So, you know, just a normal man from Birmingham who was a builder, but the amount of love that man had, the amount of compassion and joy and humour. Um, I remember crashing his car, his car when I was 19, and he didn't shout at me, he just wanted to know that I was okay, you know. So my dad definitely, he would definitely be at my dinner table. He's crossed now. My dog, Millie, yeah, my dog, Millie, um, my Labrador, because she's just hilariously gorgeous. Um, like her to be there. And I would like um, probably my friend, Amelia, that died, I'd like her to come as well. But I'd like to have some more. I'd like to have my other dog, Hooch, my horse, Billy. And um, I would like to have Donald Trump, because I just think he's a fascinating character. I'd like to have a little chat with him. <laughs> that would be TV. really interesting, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and probably... Uh, who else could I have around? That'd be an interesting dinner time, wouldn't it? I love it. You get a house yeah. full. 
Yeah. <laughs> Why not? No, thank you very much for that. And then, very last thing before I let you go, do you yeah. um, have you got anything you want to promote? Obviously, you do your coaching. You've got the whole sanctuary. God bless you. Yeah, well, if anybody wants to look us up, the healing, the healing horse sanctuary.org.uk. Yeah, we're just about to launch a sponsor scheme that you can sponsor the horses or ponies because obviously we're totally self-funded. We do all our own fundraising. We all work there for free. So if anybody wants to sponsor a horse or anybody wants to send us some money or buy a horse coat or buy some food, then let us know. If you want to visit where, my where website, we're based in Bromsgrove in Worcestershire. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and then if anybody wants to look up work I do, susiegessy.com, S-U-S-I-E-G-E-S-E-Y. If you send yeah. me the links over, I'll pop them. Ah, okay, thank you. Oh, yeah. Have a look at my stuff, yeah. But, yeah, yeah I'm hoping to uh, uh, get my book out next year because I really want to get my writing out there of all my adventures and experiences to share, share with the world. So, yeah, so thanks for inviting me on for this. It's really magical. No worries. Well, we can get you back on next year if you want. Ah, thank you. I feel like we could do another hour another time easily. Okay. To talk about, and we could talk about your book. Oh, thank you. Probably thank not. you, Alex. But it's been great. Thank you so much for having me on. I've loved it. I've loved having you on. Thank you very okay. much. Okay. Fascinating stories. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully see you soon. <laughs>